Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message for Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. I, uh, I want what's real. Uh, I, I have an undying passion to want what's real. Uh, I, I have no room or time for the fake. I have no interest in the fake, the facade. Um, I, I want what's what's real and lasting and sustaining, and I pray you do too. Um, when we think about the topic of love, it's so weighty on one hand and it's so simple on the other, um, but it's real. Um, the, the Bible tells us that God, uh, God is love. One of the the very central attributes of who God is is, is love. Um, we know for a fact that that love covers a multitude of sin. That uh, when someone is offended or wronged or hurt. Um, when we pour out love, uh, we're able to cover all of that up. Um, love covers it up. God covers up our sin through His love. Love covers a multitude of sin. We, we think about the fact that uh, we all want love. If you were to sit down with anybody in this room, you take your random person and say, hey, let's talk. At the end of that conversation, what you're going to find is they're yearning for love. Um, it may come off as understanding, it may come off as anger, it may come off as aggression or suppression and quiet, but at the end of the day, everybody just wants to be known and loved. And so there's this undying desire in a human heart that wants what's real, and what's real is love, and they want that love, and the scripture of God says, hey, I am love, I'm the love you want ultimately, and it may come through different avenues, but you're really looking for me, and and, and here we are, as God's hope dealers, as God's love givers, and we're really messed up at being able to love well. Uh, we, we, we stumble and we fall and we fall short. Sometimes we don't follow through the way we should, and, and either way, we, we just end up not really loving well. And so today, I want to uh, tell you, I'll never be able to do it in one sermon. I don't think that's possible, but I want to be able to, to point you and uh, give you a train of thought, a way to think, a mindset that comes from the Scriptures to say, okay, let me start here. Um, I, I might be broken and I might mess stuff up, but let me start where the scriptures tells me about what love's about. And I pray you'll be encouraged. And I pray if you find yourself in a in a situation where uh, you haven't felt love well from the the church or the body, um, I pray first of all that that you receive an apology through the scriptures, not because somebody comes and coddles, but somebody says, "Hey, this is what the truth is." And they might not have lived it out well, but this is who Jesus is. And so those people may have harmed me, um, but those people aren't my God. Um, my God loves me. And let me show you where it is in the Scriptures. So go with me, if you will, over to Luke 6, and you can just turn your uh, attention there and, and, and just kind of hold your place. Luke 6 is where we'll be. But I want to start out with the status quo. The status quo is this. We were made to love. It's quite simple if you're jotting notes today. We were made to love. When we talk about the DNA of of who people are, who we are. We were made to be love bearers. We're made in the image of God, and God is love. And so one of the responsibilities, one of the attributes, one of the things that we are to be about is loving others. And so when we think about the, the word love, we got to realize something else. Most of us, we don't know how to love well. Um, most of us, we don't. Um, divorce rates the way that they are, people hurting each other. Um, you turn on the news, we are so far as a nation away from being able to love well. Um, and you've got to hunt down even the media. It's not doing a good job at communicating good stories and good Samaritans. There's a lot out there. Um, but we're just in a culture where, where loving well is really not on the agenda, especially 
uh, two, two days before another election cycle. And then, oh joy, next week, it starts the presidential campaign again. Aren't you excited? So love is just not in the air. And we've got to figure out a way to be people of love, even if society around us doesn't want to do it very well. We've got to say, hey, I'm going to worry about me and my house and try to love well right here, and then we'll build from there. But we're made to love. We're just not very good at it. The only worthwhile, here's a a quote that I um, got from Pastor Alberto Castro over in um, Ciudad Genesis or Community Genesis um, in uh, Costa Rica when I was there. I, I sat down with this dude. He gave me basically a seminary um, in, in, in the course of a few days. But one of the, the, the statements he made was about our, our mission and vision. And he says this, the only worthwhile vision it, of a, that a Christian has is to continue the vision and the mission of Jesus. The only worthwhile mission and vision that a Christian has is to continue the mission and vision of Jesus. Um, many of us, we get cute in trying to come up with a new way of doing things and a new vision and a new mission and a new pursuit. And a lot of pastors will come out and just be like, hey, you should follow me because I got this great vision. And the only real worthwhile vision for any of us is just to find out what Jesus was doing, find out what Jesus was about, find out how Jesus went about it. I mean, this is God in the flesh, so I think he knew what he was doing. And then kind of just say, hey, I'm going to try to carry that on as best I can through my life, with my life, leveraging my life. I want the mission and the vision of Jesus to continue to get front stage. I want to continue whatever it is that Jesus was about. And so when we think along those terms, we have to ask this question, how do we envision love? And the answer is not what you think. The answer is not what I think. I I grew up in a certain uh, economic situation, a certain certain living condition, single mom, no dad. There's there's, uh, poverty all around, drug abuse, alcoholism, all this stuff. And so if I were just to come and just say, hey, from the depth of my resources, here's what love is. It's going to be jaded and and misguided and broken in places. And so it really doesn't matter what you think love is or I think love is. What really, really matters is what did Jesus, what did God in the flesh, what did the, the God that said, I am love, what did he say about what love is? And so let's carry that forward. And so that leads us to where we are today. Um, the beautiful thing about this in Luke 6 is it presents some opportunities for you to make a course correction. Uh, How many of you use Waze, Waze, the app for uh, directions and turning? If you don't, like, dear God, repent and go get Waze. It is so good. So so Waze, essentially, uh, Waze, like, it it calculates all the data. And besides, if you go get it, it helps me when I'm driving. Because when when you're driving, it it feeds data into the cloud. And then when I'm driving, if I'm coming behind you, the data you fed in is helping me out. So if you were ahead of me by 10 minutes, you helped navigate my way. So it's all selfish. Please do it for me. But but, so Waze is is beautiful. The thing is, is like any GPS kind of tracker, you, you go and you're driving. And uh, what I like about Waze, it's not the same as others, is that it'll adjust as I'm going. So if an accident, I get on my route, hit the button, and it's like, okay, here's, I got your route. Well, also what it does is it checks periodically and says, hey, is this still the best route? Is this still the best way for Tali to go? He wanted to go 45 minutes away, and, and he knows where he's going, lived here his whole life, but he turned Waze on, not because I don't know the roads, but because I don't know the traffic in front of me. I don't know what accidents have come up. I don't know what is up there that might dissuade me from getting there at the time that was appointed for me to go. And so here's what happens. 
I had a friend, my friend Curtis, who was here and spoke about a month ago. He got in my car. I picked him up from the airport and and I punched in where we were going to go to dinner. And uh, I'm weird, so pardon me, but an English gentleman's voice comes on. And it says something to the effect of, yes, sir, we will approach the drive. It will take you 42 minutes. And like my friend Curtis, he sat up and he buttoned his, he's like, oh, that's how we're playing today. That's how we're, okay. And so he, he got all prim and proper because he's like, man, that's, that's how it is. And so when we get in the car, as you're driving, you're hearing this voice, you know, proceed to the right and it'll tell you whatever. But then if it has an obstruction, if there's an accident, it will say these words, Rerouting. Rerouting. Now, some of us, God has come and spoken to you about behaviors and actions and attitudes and people, and you've heard the voice of God, the Spirit of God say, Rerouting. And you have said, I know Baltimore. This is me all the time. I don't want to reroute, I know where I'm going. I know the best path. I've been here a thousand times. And I'm, by golly, I'm going to keep doing it this way. And if that person in my life can't accept it, well, I'm going to run them over because I know better. And the Spirit of God says, I'm rerouting you. I need you to listen. It's going to save you time. It'll save you stress. You don't realize it right now because you can't see what's in front of you, but I want you to be different. You need to take a new route. But there's one sinister thing that keeps us from change. It's called pride. Pride. It just eats us alive. And we hear from God we should be different and make a change. But our pride says, no, because if I make a change, I've got to let go who I used to be. And here's what happens. If I make that change, I'm admitting that I wasn't perfect. I'm admitting that I was broken. I was messed up. I was sinful. I don't want to admit that. I don't want to deal with my junk. So it's easier if I say, no, I'm not going to reroute. I'm not going to make changes. I'm not going to become a different person because I don't want to admit that anything I've done is wrong. So pride just keeps you stubbornly holding on to the wheel, sitting in traffic, mad at God that things aren't changing sitting in traffic and you're looking over at the distance of other people's lives. You ever do this? And you just see the cars pass. And you're like, if only I was on that road. <laughs> My life would be so much better. How'd they get on that road? I wonder if they cheated. I see that little emergency U-turn. Maybe I can get over there and just pop a wheelie, you know, and get through the, the grass. And that's not what it's about. It's about just listening to the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God says, I'm ready to reroute you, you just zip it up and let God do His work and let God reroute you. So I say all of that because I really believe what we're going to hear is going to challenge us to be rerouted. And you're going to have a decision to make when you leave. Dear Lord, am I going to let you change me? Or is my pride going to bubble up? And am I going to be stubborn? And when other people around me in this room today change, 
Am I going to miss out on the change that you're doing? I don't want to miss out. I don't want to be stuck in traffic. I don't want to be gripping my steering wheel and, and being angry. I, I want to be moving in life. I want what's real. And if you're the God of love, I want real love. Luke 6. If you have a Bible, you can go there. It's on page 737. If you have a house Bible, you're always welcome to grab a house Bible and steal it. Um, that's for those of you that stole a lot as a kid. Like, Feel free. Just like go back. Old time's sake. Uh, but that's the only thing we ask you to steal. Please leave everything else here. And and then uh, also on your app, on your Bible app, you can go down to the events, hit the button, and then look for our location in the maps. Click on it, and your notes from today will be there. Luke 6 is where we are, starting in verse 27. And uh, it goes a little something like this. In fact, would you do this for me? Only because I'm trying to hold myself accountable. If you're able to stand where you are, would you stand while we read the Word of God together? Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. And the Scripture says this, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Everybody say, love your enemies. Love your enemies. enemies. Do good to those who, get this, hate you. (laughs) Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who, what? Abuse you. This doesn't sound good. To, (laughs) To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak or your jacket... Do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, don't demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do to them. Do you see how that's buried here? And for your whole life, everybody's been preaching that to you? Like, do unto others as you have them do to you. But the context is never there. It's never there. It's always robbed from you. And you're always like, yeah, that sounds like a good thing. Do to others as you wish they would do to do. It's in the context of loving people who hate you. So you know what we've done in consumer Christianity? We've plucked the line that we can put on a coffee cup and we're like, yeah, I'll live that. But we've plucked it out of the seriousness. We've plucked it out of the depth. All right, I'm preaching. Let me back up. So verse 32, if you love those who love you, this is so good. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even the sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are doing good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even the sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners will lend to sinners. To get back the same. But love your enemies. And do good. And lend. Expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful. And the evil. Be merciful. Even as your Father is merciful. Rerouting. Rerouting. Father, I pray that you reroute our hearts. Allow us to love like you do. No exceptions. No excuses. In Christ's name, amen. You can have a seat. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. 
To the one who strikes you on the cheek, turn the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, don't withhold your tunic. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, don't demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For love to be genuine, the object of love shouldn't deserve it. For love to be genuine, the object of love shouldn't deserve it. How does that sit? Like we think and we're just like, hold on. Like, how does that apply? Like my, my, my friend, when my friend lets me down and I want to withhold love, like you're saying that, that, that maybe I'm wrong there. Like, yeah, like if we love, we love relentlessly. And you're going to be, Pastor, what happens when I get scarred? What happens when they treat me wrong? What happens when they do me wrong? Love anyway. Because love, the only time you can show when love is love. This is what the Scriptures are teaching us, and we've got to learn to reroute or not. The only time we can tell that it was actually love to begin with is when somebody does something wrong, somebody does something to not deserve it anymore, and we decide, what am I going to do with that? Am I going to continue to give you love or am I going to pull that love back? And what Jesus is teaching us is that, hey guys, I want you to love your enemies. I want you to love the person that steals from you. I want you to love the person that's begging. I want you to pray for those who are persecuting you. Because the only way you could tell whether or not you loved in the first place is when they do you wrong. You say, what do you mean? Well, here's the deal. It, it's, it's, I had a, a counselor tell me recently, like the question is whether it's transactional or transformational love. Transactional love or transformational love. You've got to decide which way you're going to go through this life. I've got to decide which way I'm going to go through this life. And as a protection mechanism for ourselves, we all go transactional from day one. You're nice to me. I'll be nice to you. You love me first. I'll trust and I'll love you. And you say, well, pastor, that sounds really, really vulnerable. Yeah. So is stepping out of heaven and jumping into a mosh pit of sin and voluntarily dying for the whole group as they spit on you and curse you and watch you bleed to death in public. Sounds like that's pretty vulnerable. But that's who we follow. That's who He said, come and follow me. Do as I do. Paul said, follow me as I'm following Christ. And so if Jesus is our model, if Jesus is the definition of love, then yes, it's going to be awkward. It's going to feel like I've got to expose myself. Because if, I, if I'm exposing myself to the ability to be hurt, that's the only time when I can actually love you. For real. But if it's all transactional... We're straight contract. We're going to write that puppy down. I'm going to watch and observe and see if you'll treat me right. And if I decide that you've done your part, I guess I'll do my part. Because it's transactional. Transformational? That contract's straight 100 from my side. If I tell you I'm in, I'm in. If I tell you I love, 
I love. I tell you I'll, I'll do right by you, I'm going to do right by you. But, 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 but what about? No. This isn't a transaction. I'm transformed. God loved me in my sin. God loved me when there was nothing to love. God loved me at my worst. My worst day on this planet, Jesus didn't love me less than on my best day on this planet. So I'm transformed. So if I'm in, if I'm, if I'm there on the streets as a kid, it was, I'm ride or die. You can count on me. That's transformational type of love. Whole different level. He says, hey, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate. Bless the ones that are cursing you. Pray for those who are abusing you. Somebody strikes you on the cheek, turn the other. The one that takes away from your cloak, give them your tunic. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, don't demand them back. And as you wish others would do to you, do to them. You know what kind of freeing existence that is? That's you can't hurt me. You can't hurt me. Not because you won't try, but because I won't let you. And I'm not going to not let you because I'm going to put up force. I'm not going to let you because how can you take anything from me that I'm freely giving to you? How can you steal from me if I'm freely giving? How ridiculous. There's a, you know, a little kid out there and they're selling, they got lemonade, but they're not selling lemonade. They're just giving away lemonade. How dumb do you look if you run up on that joker and grab a lemonade, throw it back? <laughs> the sign says free, bro. You're, you're trying to take, but... Love. So am I hurt that you grabbed my lemonade for free and you got a bad attitude about it? It's on you, not me. I decided when I came out I was going to give away lemonade. So now you look foolish trying to hurt me. But if it's transactional, I'm an entrepreneur. That lemonade's five fifty. Now you stole my lemonade. You took value from me. Why? Because I wasn't willing to give. The only reason you could take from me is if I'm not willing to give. Verse 32. If you love those who love you, this, oh, I love this. And when I was studying this, I was just like, this makes zero sense. So I better get it before I get up on stage. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? We just got in a whole section where he's like, hey, don't worry about you. It's not about your benefit. Care about others. Care about those that are taken. Don't, don't worry about you. And then he goes, hey, by the way, since we're talking about benefit, what benefit is it to you if you only do what the sinners do. For even sinners love those who love them. And, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Here we are about your benefit again. For even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same. Now, let me back up real quick. It doesn't mean that you're never allowed to lend and receive. What it's saying is, in Proverbs it has an echo to this, that, that if you lend, 
only lend if they don't give it back and you don't lord over them. Meaning only, only if you have that ability to say, if I lose this, I haven't lost my soul. I haven't lost my shirt. We move on. It's sad that they weren't nice and did what they said. But I'm only going to do it if that can be my posture. Otherwise, you know the fastest way to get rid of somebody in your life? Fastest way. I'm not even kidding. Like You could take, my, take this to the bank right here. Like I'm helping you out. You might have somebody in your life. You're just like, man, they're annoying and Thanksgiving's coming. And you're like, pastor, what do I do? I'm going to help you out right now. You lend them money. Lend them something. All of a sudden, the people that was like, hey, hey, hold up, hey. You don't want to see somebody in your life? Hey, you need a few grand, 10 grand. Okay, $10. That's the easiest way. Why? Because there's this, there's this, this positional change between people when you owe them something. And now what used to be a loving friendship or a loving relationship or it, what used to be is, is uh, hey, you're my mom, you're my dad, you're my cousin, you're my sister, my brother. Now all of a sudden it's, you're my banker, you're my repo man, you're the goon hunting me down. <laughs> the relationship changes. And so the scripture's like, hey, don't even loan or lend unless you lose and your soul's okay. In God's economy, there is benefit to befriending the broken. In God's economy, there is a benefit that comes to you. There's a benefit to befriend the broken. What does that mean? It means that, that when you have a, a, a life around you and people around you who are trying to not love, you can put up your guard. You saw that, Drew? Yeah, you just, you was like, yeah, he from the hood. So you put up your guard or you put down your guard. And, and so when the world is coming at you and people aren't very loving and you can either sit back and, and, and swing and fight and be angry and let that angry world make you just as angry. Let that nasty world make you just as nasty. Let that outside world is not very loving make you come across not loving. You could do that. Or you could say, hey, what was freely given to me by God, I'll be glad to help you out too. Transformational love. And in God's economy, there's a benefit to you. In a minute, it calls you a name. It says, hey, you can be sons and daughters of God. You can join in the family of God. That's certainly a part of it because we read, we read last week, if you weren't here last week, go, go watch the sermon online. But last week we talked about that there's going to be sheep and goats separated. And it's not only on the profession of faith or the baptism. It's about what happened after you got out of the water. Did you hear the voice of Jesus and obey in love or did you not? And so certainly there's that benefit. But you know the other benefit is? The other benefit. When you're loving without res reservation. When you're 
loving and caring for the interests of others, when you're setting someone else's interest above your own, when you are pouring out when the rest of the world wants you to pour in, when, when, when all that's going down, you know what happens? It's beautiful. And you'll never know this until you do it. And do it again and do it again and do it again and it becomes a lifestyle. The benefit to you is that you get to intimately know your Savior. I get to intimately know what was going through Jesus' heart when He's walking around being misunderstood. I get to intimately know what was going on in Jesus' heart when He was sacrificing for humanity on the cross for me. I get to intimately know what was going through when the blood drops are still hitting the ground and there's still the women are crying over here and John, the one he loved, is over here and he's looking up and they just can't take it. But then you still got these loud mouths that are still running their mouth, even in my worst situation. And he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Like I get to get into the mind and heart of Jesus in a whole new way when I lay myself down and love becomes my guide. And you will never, here's the thing, you will never, ever, 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 if you know that song, you'll never understand Jesus at that level from a textbook, from seminary, from your bank account, writing checks, you'll never, that'll never happen. The only way you get there is that when you've been hurt and you love anyway, that opens up a whole new door that you can walk through. The way of love, the way of grace, the way of mercy, the way of compassion, the way of kindness. But you can't walk through that door. There's a risk. You can't walk through that door until someone is hurting you. Until someone wants to steal from you and not honor their word. Until someone wants to take advantage of you. You cannot even walk through that door until you allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to be hurting a little bit and still give out love. Because then, then, then the benefit comes to you because now, Jesus, I get it. I get it. I get why we worship a Savior who laid down His life. Because if all my Savior would do is what every other sinner would do, that's not much to be impressed by. And if I'm a follower of that Savior, the benefit to me is to know His heart. And I can only get there when I lay down my pride. Let's wrap up with this. But the love, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward, by the way, it says and lend, expecting nothing in return, meaning it's still a loan. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not saying, hey, never, ever, ever, always give it your money away. No, no, you're allowed to be like, no, here's, the, here's what I'm lending. Like the, I, the, I do, you know, hey, it's a loan. But the point is, is that if you don't give it back, like that's on you, not me. And here's the thing, you can also say no. Expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High for He is kind, look at this, to the ungrateful and the what? Evil. 
He's kind to the ungrateful. All right, I could be kind to the ungrateful. Like, I have kids. <laughs> right? Like, I, I, have, I got work in that, you know? I'm good there. Some of y'all without kids are like, how did he say that? Ask somebody that's got kids. They'll tell you. They'll be like, yeah, they're ungrateful. Like, I love them, but they're still ungrateful. So I can do that. But it says, be, be kind to the ungrateful and the what? Oh, 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 oh. I have ADT because of evil. Weapons because of evil. Ring video doorbells. I've got command and control. You step up into my house, I already know you're there. Because of evil. It's a whole nother level. Ungrateful? Eh, I can handle that. Evil? I gotta be kind to evil? Rerouting. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Just in case we didn't get it, this passage concludes with be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Again, do you know the times in your life when you're able to be merciful? It's when your behaviors could be punitive. Your behaviors could punish. You're in the right to harm them. And the Scripture says that be merciful. The only chance you have to even say you could be merciful is if you're in a position to be able to cause pain to another justly. Where this shows up is when you got that ticket and you went into court and they were like, hey, how do you plead? And you're like, guilty as sin, Please don't put points on my record. You know why? What you're doing is you're saying, Judge, I need you to grant me mercy. I don't deserve it. It's not owed to me. I understand it. That was me running the red light. That was me going above the speed. But please, I, what, is there anything I can do to not receive the full weight of the punishment that is rightly owed to me? And so the Scripture says, you know what? You need to be merciful to others. Meaning, when you are justified, when nobody can argue that you would be wrong to, to punish them, learn not to do that. When it's in your back pocket and you got that information on that person, rip it up. When you know that that person did something wrong and they deserve you to hate them for the rest of their life, Say, dear God, teach me how to be merciful. Because vengeance is His. It's not mine. And so love means not only the people that are ungrateful, but the downright evil. Learn to love so much that you can step away from the judge's chamber, go take a seat in the witness stand, and remember, my place is to be a witness for the glory and the goodness of God. It is not to put myself up there with a robe judging people around me. So I'm going to sit my tail down 
because of love. How do we apply all that? Check it out on the screen. A lot to write down. Might want to take a picture. We love the good people, the bad people, the Democrats, the Republicans, the gay, the straight, the Muslim, the Jewish, the foreigner, the racist, the prisoner, the rich, the poor, on and on. We love. We love. Why? Because that is exactly who Jesus died for. If I'm following the one that died and bled and shed his life, good night. He's not asking me to go kill myself over this. He's asking me just to lay my pride down. And if I can lay my pride down, all of a sudden the only thing left is going to be love. Because my pride came as a way to defend myself from people trying to hurt me. So I put up walls, I put up boundaries, put up my dukes. But the call of Jesus. Lay that down. Freely give. Freely use your talents. Freely use your resource. Freely use your connections and friendships. Freely, freely, freely love. No parentheses. No exceptions. No regrets. I'm going to conclude with this. I saw a quote this week. That I was like, God, this is so too perfect. I, I had you guys listen to uh, Lauren Dago last week to begin the service. And um, I had you listen to a song called Losing My Religion. Not like the 80s metal hairband one. New one. But... Lauren Daigle has this on her album, but last week I had you listen to Losing My Religion, but she went on Ellen this past week and uh, she, she sang Still Rolling Stones and it really compares the stone that was rolled away at the grave of Jesus with the stones that he's still rolling away and giving us new life every day, no matter what we're going through. Like people are hearing this song and they're like coming out of depression and just the anger and rage they had and the hurt and the pain they're writing her and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is new hope for me. Thank you. But then we had a few idiot Christians that decided that they'd use social media to demonstrate nothing from Luke chapter 6 to Lauren Daigle. And they wrote her and they said, hateful stuff. How dare you go on that show with that person don't you know? Don't you know her sexuality? How dare you? Now this is the point where I'm just thankful I'm not God. Because like y'all would just wake up and you'd be like, dang, lots of people died last night. That was weird. <laughs> so like I'm really glad I'm not God. Lots of jerks are glad that I'm not God too. But that's what happened. And so... These people were vitriolic and mean and hateful and evil and ugh, in the name of Christ. I really do feel like hell's going to be weird. I feel like there's some people that really felt like the morality would get them in. And they're going to be like, dang, you're here? Where am I? 
It's getting warm. <laughs> and, and so this is, they, they, they attacked her and stuff. And here's what she said. This is to me how you know somebody's on the right path. She says, I don't have all the answers in life. And I'm definitely not going to act like I do. But the one thing that I know for sure is that I can't choose who I'm supposed to be kind to and who I'm supposed to show love to and who I'm not. Because that's the mission, right? Be who Christ was to everyone. Take that, internet bully. You know? We just got to love well. We got to love well. We got to leverage our lives, leverage our hearts, put down the guns, and just love well. And care for the people that we think make our hair stand up on the back of our head and get us worked up inside. Those are the ones we got to love most. Because if anything, all they're doing is they're giving you a blessing. They're revealing where you're not there yet. So instead of being mad at them, be like, thank you, Lord. You showed me another person or group of people that I'm not there yet. And the Spirit of God will say something to you like rerouting. And you have a choice to listen to the Spirit of God and how you deal with people or not. And my friends, that's up to you. You could be sitting in traffic for the next five years of your life or you can praise God for the exit ramp and move on with the, your life instead of being so worked up, bent out of shape, angry and aggressive all the time, you can just say, I'm rerouting. I'm going to take the path that the Spirit of God has called me to. I'm going to love, even if right now I'd rather sit in traffic and fight against it. <laughs>